Today from the Global Lane, Cuban protesters take to the streets, Christian leaders targeted for arrest. This has translated into a disaster. Kids enjoy boating and horseback riding at summer camp, but not in Gaza. Five-year-old children are being given AK-47s, grenades, and suicide vests. Sharia USA, a Republican judge orders an Islamic law divorce for a Texas woman. This American judge relegates her case to be interpreted and judged by Sharia law. She's essentially condemning her. And the Ayatollah's agents endanger the life of an Iranian journalist in New York. And it's all right here on the Global Lane. Shouting, we are not afraid. Thousands of demonstrators have joined spontaneous pro-democracy protests throughout Cuba. Many say they're fed up with 62 years of communist dictatorship. They want freedom. A government crackdown against the protesters has already begun. And here with more from Miami is Teo Baboon. Born in Cuba, Dr. Baboon is an author, evangelical philanthropist, founder of the Cuban-Caribbean Development Company, and head of Outreach Aid to the Americas. Dr. Baboon, always good to talk to you, sir, so thanks for being with us. Some in the Biden administration suggest Cubans are taking to the streets in protest because they're angry about the government's slow COVID vaccine rollout. But I suspect there's much more going on than that. Tell us why this is happening. Are you amazed? Thank you, Gary. Uh, no, we're not, you know, we're, we're not surprised that this has taken place. This is, uh, uh, this has been brewing. Um, it is uh, uh, not uh, only because of what's been happening with the, with the COVID, uh, um, pa with the pandemic issue, although it has been very serious and the Cuban government has done a, a horrible job of, of that. Um, I think it's a combination of a number of things that have taken place over a, a, a long period of time. And, uh, and this was uh, even predicted, uh, predictable uh, back in uh, a few months ago in May when uh, a number of organizations that are working, particularly with the, with the church in Cuba, with a faith-based community, both the evangelical community and the Catholic community, um, began to see a tremendous amount of, uh, of uh, publishing taking place by both uh, pastors, leaders of the evangelical community, and, uh, and Catholic priests uh, in social media uh, demanding that uh, the government uh, pay attention to the tremendous amount of hurt that was taking place. In top of that, uh, the church uh, leaders have been had been uh, very vocal uh, uh, in the last year and a half on a change in the constitution, which in effect uh, curtailed the amount of freedom of religion and uh, and other freedoms such as freedom of expression and freedom of education, which were being trampled by the government through a new constitution. The government has shut down internet communication now in and out of Cuba. And your senior senator there in Florida, Marco Rubio, says the government is already sending out shock troops to crack down on the protesters. That order comes with the direction of President Diaz-Canal, who says uh, these are counter-revolutionaries being directed through social media by Cuban-American mafia propagandists. I guess that's what you are. So uh, we know troops are assaulting demonstrators with batons. Are they using live fire against the protesters? What have you learned about the crackdown? Well, unfortunately for us, uh, the faith community, this has translated into a disaster. 
Uh, we are now uh, monitoring uh, 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 two uh, Baptist uh, pastors in uh, Matanzas, uh, Pastor uh, Blanco and uh, and uh, Sierra in, in Matanza, who, who were just apprehended. Also, uh, Pastor Perez uh, in Camagüey, who has been apprehended. Those are Baptists. Then we have a Methodist pastor. Who, uh, who has been apprehended with his son simply because he stepped outside and was uh, and was marching along with the thousands of people that were out in the street. Uh, perhaps the saddest uh, uh, news that we have to report is that a Catholic priest that, that has been very vocal uh, uh, is very evangelical himself and is someone that we have worked with, Pastor Castor uh, Jose Alvarez. Uh, was hit over the head by one of this rapid brigade. Some people took pictures of him bleeding and he was taken to a police station in the province of Camagüey and no one knows, has no access, no one knows uh, where he's at. He was scheduled to come to Miami and we, uh, we feel that uh, he won't be able to come. Uh, he was uh, together with two uh, lay youth um, uh, workers, both of which were removed uh, from Camagüey and taken to Havana. Uh, just to give you an idea, that's about a 300-mile distance uh, away from their family. So the government is cracking down hard, and they are in particularly uh, taking uh, taking their shots at the evangelical and the uh, and the Catholic community because they know that that's where the leadership is. They know that those are the people that uh, that the people follow, and those are the righteous ones that have been preaching uh, freedom of religion, freedom of expression, freedom of education, and now the government wants to take advantage of that. This must stop. The Cuban government is, is way out of line here, and the, we hope that the international community does pay attention to what's happening here. Well, President Biden says the right of the Cuban people to freely determine their future must be respected. But Senator Rubio has criticized the president for his soft response. So what do you think the uh, president should do, President Biden? Well, I think that they imme immediately they should start a dialogue with the Cuban government to stop them, to have them stop, or else further sanctions should be, uh, should be introduced against the Cuban government. And I think beyond that, the Cuban government should be, uh, the U.S. should uh, demand that if uh, that if the Cuban government wants to receive humanitarian assistance and continue uh, the free flow of, uh, of trade with the United States, that they need to stop these apprehensions, these illegal arrests that are taking place against, against pastors uh, and others. Um, and then we should uh, perhaps provide humanitarian assistance to be distributed by the churches to the people without any intervention by the Cuban government. That should be a condition of us sending humanitarian assistance to, to Cuba. Okay, Dr. Teo Baboon, author, founder of the Cuba Caribbean Development Company and head of Outreach Aid to the Americas. Thank you for taking the time to bring us up to date on developments in Cuba. Thank you, Gary. Peace often comes with a price. Sometimes it's war and death. Other times it requires economic investment. When Israel and several Arab states signed the Abraham Accords, the Trump administration pledged $3 billion to support a Middle East investment fund.
The idea was to promote good relations through economic cooperation. Now, President Biden has reportedly suspended that funding. Well, joining us with more is Middle East Forum Director Greg Roman. Greg, what can you tell us about the suspension of this money and what it might mean for peace in the Middle East? I think you have to first understand that American peacemaking has always come with a few predicates. The U.S. guarantee of a peace deal, the ability for the U.S. to act as a fair, neutral broker, and also the idea that the United States will incentivize sides that it brings together in cooperation and eventual alliance, sort of sweeten the pot before someone puts their name on the signature line of a document. Now, the U.S. did with Egypt and Israel, giving both security guarantees and security assistance after Camp David. It did it with the Israeli-Jordanian peace accord, giving security assistance and guarantees to the Jordanian government. It even gave it to the Palestinians during the Oslo Accords and the subsequent agreements that were signed after. The fact that Joe Biden is the first American president to go back on America's word when it comes to bringing Arabs and Israelis together to sign a deal doesn't portend well for other peacemaking deals he may make. It actually makes the United States a less of a credible actor in guaranteeing the peace that it brought together on the White House lawn not dissimilar from the other initiatives that I mentioned before. So I think it would be up to the Congress to make sure that as much as they're trying to find ways to reinvest in Palestinians, that they should invest in efforts which actually have a chance to succeed. So it's, it's pretty abysmal effort that this is five months into this administration, six months into the administration now, and the signaling that they're doing is saying, we don't really support the deals that Trump made. And I understand environmentalists are pressuring Israel to cancel that oil pipeline agreement with the United Arab Emirates. What needs to be done to strengthen the Abraham Accords and encourage more Middle East nations to make peace with Israel? Right. So if we take the Red Med uh, Canal, which is the Eilat Ashkelon pipeline, it's, it's already there. It's, it's been used prior, and, and they have some efforts right now to try to link it to the shipment of Gulf oil through Eilat by Aqaba, which is in Jordan up into Ashkelon, which is a port on the Mediterranean Sea. I think that the Abraham Fund is a separate issue from the Red Med Pipeline. The Red Med Pipeline was announced about four weeks ago after an expose by Israel's Khan Channel, uh, Channel 11. And what happened with it is they said part of the deal that was made back when the Abraham Accords were signed was that there would be the ability for energy infrastructure to shift from the Gulf where the threat of the Iranians uh, hitting a ship with a missile, destroying the Saudi oil refinery capacity, it might be ameliorated by shipping oil west. And I think that a solid majority in Israel's cabinet will allow for the pipeline to go forward over the objections of the environment protection minister. So that, that's my hope politically, because I think that the UAE-Israel economic relations can be met uh, at the same point in the road where the environment minister's concerns are addressed through infrastructure changes to the actual development of the pipeline, and they won't cancel the deal. And Greg, this time of year, many parents around the world send their children to summer camp. Most kids enjoy swimming, boating, running races, playing outdoor games, but not the children of Hamas and Islamic Jihad. Memory has a video that is making the rounds on social media showing a camp where gun-toting children in Gaza Practice the killing of Jews. Tell us about that one. Right. It's almost like evil Knievel meets a five-year-old, and their objective by going through rings of fire is taking out every Jewish settlement that is on the Gaza-Israeli border. I mean, the fact that five-year-old children are being given AK-47s, grenades, and suicide vests, and then on the other side of where you would usually probably see 
cartoon caricatures of Mickey Mouse or perhaps Donald Duck or something from other children's shows, maybe Paw Patrol, which we would see on American television, they see the picture of an Orthodox Jew, a secular Jew, or any other Israeli that might be on the other side. And to think that this is being inculcated in the minds of five, four, five-year-old Palestinian children who should be able to have the opportunity of every other child in the world to develop in a peaceful, safe, and environment that is promoting learning rather than promoting hatred and death, that's what they have to face. So I'm glad that I have the opportunity here in the United States where Israelis have the opportunity to send their kids to chess camp or to dance camp or to summer camp, while on the other time they're learning how to knife, stab, and maim in Gaza. It's just, it's, it's, it's unthinkable. And the fact that this is going on with a larger outrage is ridiculous. And I can't let you go without asking you about Iran. It seems to be testing Joe Biden and America's resolve by launching missile and drone attacks against American troops and even diplomats in Iraq and Syria. Your thoughts about that? How should President Biden respond? Well, the president, while he's withdrawing from Afghanistan and drawing down, I would shift those forces over to Iraq and into Syria. We have a base in Syria. We still have a significant presence in Iraq. And the fact that the president got the backbone last week to strike back at Iranian-linked bases in Syria and Iraq is, I hope, the first of many such reprisal attacks if the Iranians and their surrogates continue launching attacks against American forces, American contractors, and American civilians trying to make Iraq a better place. Okay, Greg Roman, director of the Middle East Forum, thanks for sharing your insights with us. Thank you, Gary. Islamic Sharia law coming to the USA? It's already here in the Lone Star State. Yes, Texas. A Collin County District Judge recently ordered that Mariam Ayad's divorce case be sent to mediation by an Islamic panel. As Ayad says, the ruling violates her constitutional rights as a U.S. citizen. She's appealing that decision. Here to discuss the case and the consequences of Sharia law in the USA is Raymond Ibrahim. Mr. Ibrahim is an author and columnist specializing in Middle East history and Islam. His most recent book is Sword and Scimitar, 14 Centuries of War Between Islam and the West. Congratulations, Ray. I understand your book has just been translated and published into French, Le Paix et le Cimitaire. So <laughs> congratulations, yes, may we? Yes, thank you. Um, that's good. It's, you know, it's reaching its intended or, um, audience outside of English-speaking areas. Well, that's good. So, uh, Maryam Ayad, see, uh, she says she didn't know that she was what she was signing when her husband required her to sign a prenup. So, I'm assuming you believe her because of the way many women are treated under Islam. Yeah, I, I actually would be inclined to. I'd be inclined to believe her more than you know in other circumstances and in other situations for the reasons that you mentioned, uh, because women are habitually misused and uh, easily and often lied to. In fact, Muhammad himself, uh, in one of the canonical <clears throat> hadiths, or basically his, his sayings and words and deeds, um, said that lying is permissible in three circumstances, and one of them is to your wife. <laughs> so um, that, that's actually part of the Islamic uh, worldview. So I believe that it's, it, it makes sense that, you know, she got a, a, probably a big document and I think uh, the actual uh, argument is that she thought it was a duplicate that she was signing. So she didn't maybe see the stipulation about uh, Sharia. Um, so that's logical, and I would be inclined to believe her. 
And, you know, I don't recall any previous case in the USA where a judge sent a dispute between Muslims to an Islamic tribunal, especially in Texas of all places. So does this set a precedent, Ray? What are the consequences for people here in the United States? Well, it does set a precedent. It's really, it's it's actually shocking. And uh, But it's it's one in a piece with what we're seeing everywhere, which is this uh, large, large retreat from, you know, the Judeo-Christian mores and uh, worldview cultural values, which are enshrined in the Constitution. And the people who are most charged with guarding it and protecting it, judges, are here they are now retreating from it, abandoning it, throwing it to the bus in favor of anything and everything other than that. Um, I think we, you'd agree with me, we see that in a lot of different um, circumstances and situations outside of this particular one where, you know, anyone who's not part of the Western Christian, Judeo-Christian framework is his ways, his cultural norms take precedence, including here on U.S. soil. And, you know, it's underscore this, you know, the audience should understand what Sharia law is. Sharia is really the antithesis of, uh, you know, the, the Western worldview. It's uh, draconian. It's fundamentally based on the words and teachings of the Quran, which are believed to be from Allah and the words and teachings of Muhammad, the prophet of Islam. And, you know, if you look at his words and teachings as well as the Quran, they are basically things that are very 7th century, definitely pre-enlightenment type stuff. So the Quran and Muhammad permit the sexual enslavement, the concubinage of women, infidels during jihads. Um, a woman's testimony is half that of a man, which really comes into play in this particular case because if she is, if, if this Maryam woman is judged by a Sharia tribunal, her immediately her her words are already under are, are cut in half as far as their value because she's a woman. Um, you know, Muhammad said most of the denizens of hell are females. Uh, so you know, there's a, the, the the long and short of it in this case is there's a very misogynistic strain in Sharia law, and so when you when when this judge. When this American judge relegates her case to be interpreted and judged by Sharia law, she's essentially condemning her. And, and a lot of liberals are saying, uh, where's equity? We're fighting for equity in America. Well, where's the equity in that if a woman's testimony is only half that of a man's? So how likely is it, do you think, Raymond, that we'll eventually see a Sharia court established here in the USA? Well, there's elements of that, um, not necessarily in the USA, but in Western nations, uh, in the UK, um, you have elements of that already, and so it wouldn't be shocking to see that also coming eventually into the United States. And this particular case is, in, in many ways, such a sort of precedent. Again, it gives it favors uh, Sharia law. And they say it has no effect on non-Muslims, but I'm assuming you know otherwise. Tell us about that. Well, sure. Uh, again, uh, Sharia law, which is uh, Islamic law, is just as it's inherently misogynistic, it's also inherently anti-infidel. And so if you're a infidel, just means a non-Muslim. So if you're a non-Muslim and in any way, shape or form, you also are being judged somehow under Sharia law, you also are at the short end of the stick. Okay, author, Islam historian and Middle East analyst, Raymond Ibrahim. Thank you, Raymond, for sharing your time and insights with us. Thanks very much, Gary, take care. As the United States pursues a revised nuclear deal with Iran, the Islamic Republic is stepping up attacks on Americans in the Middle East and Iranians right here in the USA. One week ago, Iranian-backed militants fired missiles on a U.S. airbase in western Iraq.
and two Katusha 